as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, guys, to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 113. I am Davram, and I hope you all are doing very, very well out there. I hope you're getting lots of loots. I hope you're having a great time, uh, whatever you may be doing. Uh, my time with gaming has been very minimal this week. Um, I know I got a little bit of a Sea of Thieves stream in um, during the July 4th holiday. I hope you guys check that out here on uh, the channel. Played with some friends for a couple hours. It was a lot of fun. Just chilled out, chatted with people, and uh, and and worked on some Order of Souls and some PvP. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, work has been absolutely killing me. If you follow me on Twitter, I usually try not to bitch and post about personal stuff a whole lot. Because quite frankly, everyone's dealing with their own stuff. Uh, but I literally worked three days this week because of the holiday. And in three days, I put in over 50 hours, um, including a 21-hour day. So, yeah, it's it's rough right now. Uh, but still trying to, to you know, keep up, trying to, to game, obviously trying to get to the gym and all that stuff. But um, hopefully... Hopefully I can have some meetings next week with uh, some uppity ups and hopefully figure out um, any support system whatsoever to to kind of alleviate some of this. Because quite frankly, anyone out there in the workforce, anyone who has been in in any sort of work, um, when the economy is not doing so well, um, you know, there's layoffs that happen, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, folks who who still are thankfully have a job. Uh, a lot of times they get a whole lot of stuff uh, put on them uh, to a point where it's it's just unhealthy. And we're now at that point with me. So I'm going to take care of myself. So don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of myself. We're going to keep on keeping on. Uh, just some of the streams might not happen um, just because so I can decompress, rest, um, and, and make sure I'm getting to the gym. Because one thing that is 100% for sure, and I'll, I'll say this to everyone out there, even if you're not a gym person, even if you're not uh, someone who wants to go, you know, lift weights or whatever, at least do something physical each and every day uh, for for a decent amount of time, just just to keep yourself healthy, right? You, there is nothing about life that will exist if you are not healthy, right? There are certain instances where you know you just whatever circumstances you can't do something, but do something physical, whatever you can do. Anything physical is good, um, you know, um, so so there's my little plug uh, today. I won't go on any sort of rant or anything about that, but uh, uh, that's that's my main focus. So if I have to pull back on my video game time, my stream time, I apologize to all you guys, but uh, it's it's honestly for my health. So uh, I think that uh, I, I think you can all understand that. I hope you can all understand that. And if you can't, well, sorry about your luck. That's just how it is. <laughs> as far as Sea of Thieves is going, though. Uh, currently going on right now is Sea of Thieves Fest over in England. As you can see, I'm in my studio, so I am definitely not over there this year. Uh, hopefully, I can make a return uh, uh, next year. Uh, we'll see if the cards play um, and, and allow me to return next year. Uh, I know several of you uh, who listen to the show and who interact and come into chat and stuff are over there. I hope you guys have a blast. I hope you have safe travels back home, and, and I hope you really do enjoy that amazing sea of thieves community experience uh that i found last year at sea of thieves fest that i found this year at fest of legends it's 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 an, you can't describe the love and passion for that game that you see in those particular venues with those folks so um, i hope you have a blast and i hope you have safe travels uh back to wherever you're going so uh hopefully it was a lot of fun uh, i look forward to seeing all the pictures if you are there uh, if you were at Fest of Legends, whatever, come into the Discord. All that information is always in the show notes um, or the YouTube video notes down there. 
Um, you could join the Discord. We've got channels for pictures. Please come by, drop them in there. Love to see the adventures that you guys go on. So um, uh, definitely, definitely come by and check that out. So um, let's talk about some Sea of Thieves news. So we had a Sea of Thieves official podcast. We're going to dive into that like we always do. Um, we obviously have our adventure uh, that just happened, the Dark Deception, and that review um, that that we will uh, we will dive into. I've got uh, the scores in for that, and I'll go over that. Um, but first and foremost, let's talk about the latest drama, and it's it's interesting drama. It's not like toxic drama. It's getting toxic, but. It, it's it's not the typical PvP PVE hit reg drama that we normally have when it comes to Sea of Thieves and social media. This is drama over a cosmetic. More specifically, it's drama over a banjo. If you're living under a rock, if you're not on social media, I don't blame you. So let me fill you in. The Obsidian Banjo, a banjo that was released, um, I believe, in year one, so four years ago, um, along with a T-shirt. You had to buy a long sleeves Sea of Thieves T-shirt from their merch store, um, and if you purchased that inside your package, you would get a code for the Obsidian Banjo. It is the only way and only time that that banjo has been released in the game as part of the, the a set that most everyone wants to collect, which is that Black Dog Obsidian Midnight set that they started with the Black Dog pack in the very beginning. It's the only way you could have got it up till this point. Um, and for many of us, uh, who didn't play right off the bat or who chose not to purchase the t-shirt, I would have purchased the t-shirt in a heartbeat, even though I know the sizes I, I heard, uh, were not me sizes, but I could have put it in a frame or whatever and hung it up on the wall. I, I would have bought it for the cosmetic because you know how I am with cosmetics, um, especially the obsidian cosmetics, but that was the only way. And when that t-shirt went away, so did the Obsidian Banjo. Now, I know there have been um, giveaways of that particular thing before uh, um, since then, but in the end of the day, that was the only reliable way that a player could get that. And for me, I wasn't really into Sea of Thieves. I didn't really know about Sea of Thieves during that time, and so I didn't get it. And I love black and green combinations, and well... I want it just like the capstan. I have all the other black and green obsidian black dog stuff, except for the capstan and except for the banjo. So I really wanted it. Now I've talked many times on this show, um, that I don't believe that time limited cosmetics, um, need to be re-released. I think there is a, um, I, I think some developers and rare has proven this, that they get nervous when they do a time limited cosmetic and then people complain that they didn't get it. And then they get nervous when the, the, the negativity boils up and they're like, Oh, well, we'll just, okay, let's just put it back in. Right. Let's, let's put it back in for something. Right. I don't necessarily think that's a problem when there's time limited cosmetics, right? That, that, in, that forces players to play. And it also for players who played during that time, it gives them something to say, I'm special. And I see no problem with that. It's pixels. I understand I am a completionist collectionist. Like I want that stuff. And I have put a stupid amount of real life money into sea of thieves for cosmetics. I will never, ever use, never, ever use just, to have them in case, right? Just to have them. And so I don't have an issue with, with how they did the banjo back in the day. Do I have an issue with them re-releasing it? It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword for me. One, I want it. But two, it was a special limited time thing. And those players who got that t-shirt should feel special that they have that banjo. Other cosmetics like that, the Midnight Blunderbuss, which I donated to charity to get, um, Ferryman Pack, which I bought on eBay, the Black Dog Pack, which I bought on eBay. You know, there's a lot of cosmetics out there um, that are very exclusive. 
And for some players, it feels bad when they release them, re-release them, especially if they earned them at that time. I could say that if they went back and re-added the triumphant Sea Dog stuff, the legendary Sea Dog stuff into the game under new non-arena commendations, when folks spent a lot of times grinding those out, there would be outrage. Now, is it a problem that Rare does this? No, it's just pixels. And 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 players and some of you out there may disagree with me and that's fine. Players get a little overexcited when something like this get released. I understand that you put the time in back in the day and you wanted to have this special item. I guarantee you that even though the banjo has been re-released and I'm going to tell you how to get it, even though the banjo has been re-released, there are still going to be a bunch of players who don't have Game Pass Ultimate, a bunch of players who don't realize that this is going on, and a bunch of players who are not going to have this. I understand it feels bad for you because they are re-releasing a cosmetic that was supposed to be exclusive to that t-shirt, right? Here's the thing. Rare is going to do things in order to get players to click claim, to engage with different stuff. And if that means bringing back stuff, they're going to be bringing back stuff. There's no sense in getting upset. There's no sense in, 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 in fuming about it. Um, it's actually kind of funny because if for some reason, which I, I don't think they'll do this, but if for some reason they give you the ability to earn the ferryman set, which was an exclusive with the sea of thieves controller or the black dog set, which was a um, exclusive in year one around release time. If they give those again, people are going to lose their shit. And I'm going to look back on my decision to buy those particular items on eBay and the amount of money I spent to get them, which by the way, I didn't spend anywhere near a fraction of what they are selling for now. Um, I did not spend a lot of money on them. Um, I spent, I mean, it's a lot of money for a cosmetic, but in, in, in retrospect, what other people are spending for those, I didn't spend, I spent pennies. Um, but people will lose their mind and I'll just sit there. And honestly, I will just laugh because I was the idiot. I was the idiot who spent real life money on something that is pixels inside of a game that if five years from now, one year from now, whatever the game shuts down, I just spent that money and I get nothing out of it. Right? Like it's, it's an investment in something that eventually will go away and you no longer have what you spent the money on. You'll have the memories and stuff, but I will just laugh at myself for spending the money on these things. Um, if they re-release it, but it's, it's the nature of the game, right? There are cosmetics in this game that people absolutely love and want. And in a time where sea of thieves is struggling, um, to, to keep players engaged and keep players having a good time because of the lack of content. Um, this is a way that they can spark a little excitement, spark players to maybe play spark players to interact with whatever, uh, spark players to upgrade to Xbox game pass ultimate, whatever the case may be. I saw on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I'm going to subscribe to Xbox game pass ultimate. It's, it's 17 bucks and I get the banjo that I've been wanting for a while. That's money. That's going to rare in order to help them to continue developing this game. You know, that's a good thing. Getting players to come back, getting players to engage with this stuff, getting players to spend money on not eBay, but on a platform that directly helps fund rare. Those are good things, right? And I get if you're a little upset, a little pissy, but if you got that obsidian banjo back in year one, You've had that exclusive cosmetics to flex on people for a very long time. All right. You've had your time in the sun to flex. Let it go. Just let it go. For all of you people out there who want to know how to get the obsidian banjo, 
First, you must be subscribed to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate in order to get this. <coughs> now, this process that I'm about to walk through may be slightly different based on if you're on mobile or if you're on the Xbox itself. But I'm on the PC on the Xbox app on the PC. Um, in fact, for those of you watching on the YouTube, um, I'm going to push a button here and I'm going to show you how to do this. If you're listening on the podcast, I will walk you through it um, as I go. Let me see. Is this the button I want? There we go. All right. So we are on the Xbox app on the PC. Again, this may be different if you have mobile. Um, the first thing you're going to want to do is click on the Game Pass um, section of, of the Xbox app. Again, don't know where that is on mobile or the Xbox itself. On PC, it's the navigation pane on the left-hand side, right under username, there's a button that says Game Pass. And what that does is it opens an area where it shows you all of the different um, Game Pass features that you have. At the top, right under Game Pass What's Happening, you will see a series of buttons. All PC games, give PC games, see all plans and perks. If you click on perks, it will bring you to the current perks that, get, that, that you get if you are an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate user. On that list, you will see the Sea of Thieves Obsidian Banjo Pack which comes with the banjo, the compass, and the obsidian hull, and you just have to click claim, uh, and then it'll walk you through claiming that particular item, uh, and it'll add it to the in-game chest for you the, uh, within 72 hours. It's probably quicker than that, but within 72 hours. So again, don't know how you do it on mobile. Didn't look it up. Not quite. I, I have an Xbox, but I rarely use it. Um, so... Uh, that's how you do it on the PC Xbox app. I'm sure that you Xbox users out there, you mobile users that love those type of things, I'm sure you already know how to get to the Game Pass section uh, and can find the perks button to claim and redeem your rewards. So there you go. Get out there, get your banjo, and shut up about it. Now I just need the capstan. Rare, can you do a capstan thing? I actually have the capstan in Insiders. They did a charity event in Insiders. I have the Capstan in Insiders, but I don't have it in the actual game. And that's the last piece now. That is the last piece of my Obsidian puzzle. All right, let's do some thank yous. Let's do some thank yous. Uh, let's start off with our amazing sponsors, our amazing patrons that week in and week out, not only listen to the show, but throw their hard-earned money at me um, slap me in the face with those Benjamins. Thank you very much, Skamelt666, Lane, and Regis Stella for your continued support of Pirate Talk Radio and my content. I appreciate it very, very, very much. And special shout out to Skamelt as when I was having this really rough week um, in, uh, in, in work, uh, Skamelt reached out to me on Twitter and said, Hey, yo, buddy, Davram the banjo's out. Um, have you got it yet? Cause I know you need it. I said, no, I don't know how to claim it yet. I've been busy with work. Literally sends me a link that has all the instructions that I just walked you through, um, to claim it. So I have my banjo now. Thank you. Skimelt for checking in on me. Thank you for reminding me to do the things that I will forget if I don't have people remind me. So appreciate it. Thank you very much. Also, uh, based on last episode, we have a, a awesome, uh, comment on YouTube that I want to go over. Uh, this comment from JSSJ7516. Um, I believe it's Jimmy. Uh, I can't, can't, I'm so bad with usernames and all these things. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, the question is, or the, the statement is the problem with cheaters is that they can make a new account in five minutes. So last week we discussed the cheating, um, issue in sea of thieves and the actions that rare is taking slash taken, um, on a lot of accounts and continue to work. And we're going to continue to talk about this today with the official SOP podcast talk, but 
I've, I've talked about this a few times on stream. I've talked about it um, on on um, with with a couple other uh, Sea of Thieves friends. I don't, and I and I mentioned it in the the last podcast. I don't know, being that Rare is an Xbox studio. I know they have the full support of Microsoft, but legally, I don't know how far they can go when it comes to IP bans. Right. So it's one thing to suspend account. It's another thing to ban an account. But if you just ban the account, what happens is someone can just make a new account and we move on from there, right? That's what happens. Um, So the cheater doesn't actually get stopped. They just get slowed down. So I suggested a few things last time about adding some sort of in-game requirement of number of hours of played, um, a certain amount of accommodations or certain amount of things done until you can take part in the hourglass battles. It does hurt new players to not just be able to dive in, but as a new player diving into Sea of Thieves, you shouldn't be diving into hourglass battles right off the bat anyways. It's just you're going to get trenched. You're going to get dumpstered. You're going to get trash canned until you learn about the game a little bit more. Now, the other thing that I've seen in other games is IP banning. Now, IP banning could ban the uh, the individual device. Um, with that being said, you could also use VPNs and stuff to get around that. <coughs> there is also something that I have... Um, seen certain more smaller studios use and that is an ip ban on the actual isp that that person is playing at so it's an ip ban not only on the device so you can't take that device somewhere else but it's an also an isp ban on the ip of your modem slash router they have that information because you're connecting to their servers they've got all that they ban that device so what that means is Anyone in that particular house or office or whatever now could not play the game. So I don't know what type of legality gets into that. I don't know what power Rare has. Um, obviously, like I said, Microsoft fully supports Rare. They're one of their, you know, their 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 big name studios. Sea of Thieves is one of the biggest brands that 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 has been, you know holding Xbox, you know, on those splash screens and stuff for a very long time. But I don't know how Microsoft would feel if you banned an entire household from accessing, you know, Microsoft. I don't know what power Rare has. Obviously, if you ban an Xbox account or something like that, again, I don't know the behind the scenes of all these things. Um, But there probably is some challenges into stopping people from just making a new account. Um, I think that's something that rare should work with Xbox on and should find a solution around um, to, to try to do this because if they're cheating in sea of thieves, there's a good chance they're cheating in other games. And so ultimately they need to find a permanent solution to basically remove gaming from that individual because they're cheating scum and they don't deserve to play video games period. End of story. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. So again, thank you for that comment. I just wanted to go into a little bit more detail on that, uh, in case I wasn't clear last time, but yes, I think rare, um, is doing what they can with the power and ability that they are allotted with Microsoft. Um, I think with the official SOT podcast that we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, I think they're working on doing more. Um, it's just a matter of, of getting those systems in place, getting the approvals in place, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Joe neat talked exclusive, uh, extensively about this, um, on the podcast, which we'll talk about in a minute. Also rain energy drink sponsor me. They're not, they're not watching. So let's talk about the dark deception. So, um, it's been a while since we've had an adventure. Um, it has been a minute. So for those of you who maybe are new listeners um, that have just recently found Pirate Talk Radio, what the hell's wrong with you? Um, joking. Welcome. Um, second, uh, the, 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 so I want to take a moment to refresh everyone or introduce the new listeners to our scoring rubric. This um, we talked about in uh, long, long ago when adventures kind of got rolling, talked about it in the discord, talked about it on stream, 
<clears throat> and the Pirate Talk Radio community and myself came to the conclusion that there are five items that we are going to rate all of the adventures on, or that I'm going to rate all the adventures on. And that is a driving story, a story that is told and it drives the player through. It keeps them interested and entertained from start to end. It drives a narrative forward. It could give us some lore. It could give us some new lore. It could continue a, an existing story, but there is a driving story throughout and that the player is taking part in that story. <clears throat> Number two, combat. <clears throat> in my opinion, any sort of content that is introduced into this game that is, is story driven should also have an element of combat. Every single one. Um, I know some people are okay with no combat because of the skeletons or the crawlers that pop up or whatever. I personally think that there should be some sort of combat in every single um, content piece that, that is added kind of like the, the old tall tales. Most of them had an element of combat um, either at the beginning throughout or at the end. Next, the reward. Now I don't care about the title. We always get a title with these. I don't care about the title. Some of the titles are cool, but if you look at your chest, if you've played for as long as I have or longer, the amount of titles in your chest is so overwhelming. Who cares? They're, 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 some of them are cool. Most of them are just boring. So I don't care about the title. What I'm caring about is the physical uh, or I, it's not really physical, but the item that you get, maybe it's a memento, maybe it's an equipment, maybe it's a weapon, maybe it's a clothing piece. That is what I'm focused on, right? That is what I'm focused on when I say reward next technical implementation. So I am going to be looking for bugs, exploits, or issues with the adventure, um, in every aspect, glitches, bugs, whatever. If you've listened to this show for a while, I'm very critical about clean and, and well done quality assured development. We know Sea of Thieves and Rare has had trouble with this and continue to have trouble with this. So one of our criteria is technical implementation. And finally, time length. Did Rare respect your time as a player? Did they give you a fun, exciting, and engaging adventure that that is within your time? Like that the average player can comfortably do um, in, in the time parameters? Or do they feel like they have to rush through it? Or do they feel like it, they can't do it because of the time commitment, right? Like there's a, there's a very thin balance there. For example, the mystery time commitment, I would say is a big fat fail, right? They did not respect players times. It was not an engaging, um, it was not engaging in game and it was just a waste of players time. You didn't get anything out of it. That was exciting, um, or driving. It was just a waste of time. Um, but the adventures have been much better than the mysteries. So there's that. All of these five items are rated on a score from one point. You can't get a zero one point to five points, five points being the best one point being the worst. We add it all up. We divide it by 25 and we get our score. So let's start at the top driving story. I gave this a five. I thought, so let me, let me first start out. Let me first start out by saying this. I personally think the dark deception from start to finish is one of the best adventures they have done. I know not everyone agrees with that. I know there were some questions, um, about things, uh, because some people do just still rush through it, click through it. Don't pay attention to things. But if you're actually taking any time to actually look at what is going on, reading, um, listening to the story, looking around, understanding what the world was before and where the world is now. There is a good driving story here. We have a pirate. We have the pirate Lord, right? That is sending us on an adventure. He seems very irritated. He has gotten something stolen from him and we have to find out 
who's behind all of this. And we have to meet him on the uncharted Island. And he seems very irritated. And then we start getting these clues um, just in the way he's speaking, how he's referring to himself. And in the book, the, the quest journal, we actually see that he seems to be struggling to write his own name, which is starting to put up some red flags. Like what is going on with the pirate Lord? Like, is he getting a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs? Like what's going on? And then he sends us uh, to a variety of different locations, including Shipwreck Bay, where the Black Witch is. But now there's another ship corpse there. And in fact, we find out that the servants of Flame are rebuilding the Burning Blade, Flame Heart's flagship. They are rebuilding it, Shipwreck Bay. In fact, they have moved the um, the dragon figurehead from Wanda's uh, lair, and it is now in Shipwreck Bay attached with rope to this particular um, um, under construction burning blade, which is very interesting because that is now, not only do we have this story going on that we're not quite sure what's going on with the pirate Lord, but now we've got a little push forward of the Flameheart return storyline, right? So that storyline is something that it kind of died out a little bit um, after the the war between Pandragon and Flameheart when Pandragon was sealed away in the picture in the Sea of the Damned and Flameheart was confirmed to be resurrected. So like we're starting to get a little push forward on that and we've got to steal a piece of that figurehead um, to help the order of souls do a ritual. And what's really interesting is the, the figurehead has two eyes. You are taking one of the eyes. And, um, when you take the wrong eye, a giant head of flame heart, just like flashes in your screen. It's kind of freaky. It actually freaked me out. If you watch uh, my video on the playthrough and reaction. Um, so that was actually a really cool effect that they added in there. Then you have to go talk to um, uh, Madame Olivia, uh, yeah, Olivia, and you have to try to get from her um, a very precious item um, from her, which is um, Pendragon's pocket watch, a gift that he gave her. Obviously, those two had a thing going on. Um, you know, there's a nice little letter there. I'm guessing many people didn't notice it, but there's a letter on her table that you can read from Pendragon to her um, um, before he becomes a ghost and all that stuff. So it was a very touching, touching thing there. Um, and obviously she's not giving it to you. Um, it's very important to her. Um, she's not quite understanding the purpose. Um, and so you kind of have to do a little deception um, and steal it from her. You got to go pirate on her and steal it from her with the help from this little glowing eyed rat, which if you have been following social media, um, has been in sea of thieves, uh, media posts for quite some time. So we're getting the storyline of Flameheart getting pushed forward. We're getting some payoff on this rat thing. And we're learning about the backstory of Pendragon and Madame Olivia. Great. We are getting a lot of story bits here, pushing a lot of things forward or giving us some some backstory to things that we didn't necessarily know a lot about um, inside the game. Now, you take this pocket watch, you take this uh, this here uh, um, um, crystal. That's the eye of the, the burning blade figurehead. You give them to Madam um, Olive, Olivia Olive, Olive. Um, and she does her voodoo magic, blah, 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 poof, you know, bam, shebang. And you get this glowing compass and the compass guides you to Port Merrick. And at Port Merrick, you find a rat and the rat, you follow the rat, you follow the compass and it leads you to a secret underground relic chamber. I will call it a relic chamber for a reason. And inside that relic chamber, the pirate lords there, and you see on a pedestal the sword of souls, Pandragon sword. However, it is now no longer glowing blue; it is glowing red because it has been corrupted by the powers of Flameheart. The first time we've seen this sword in game, we've seen it in some some trailers and things like that, but we've not seen it in game. It's beautiful. In fact, I like the look of it in red more than blue, 
Um, but it's beautiful. I hope at some point, just like we got the sword of souls, um, from the, the tall tale, I hope at some point that we have the ability to get the corrupted sword of souls, the red version. Before I even talked to the pirate Lord, I started to go around and look and rare created a beautiful walk through time for you. An amazing relic room that was full of a whole bunch of Easter eggs from the previous adventures, everything from the tables, um, from where we summoned the, the, the shrouded ghost and took over ghost forts in our battles leading up to, um, um, um with Merrick and also leading up to, um, uh, the flame heart battle. Um, we also had the books, um, the different books that we encountered. There were so many great relics in there from the past of sea of thieves. It truly was a walk through memory lane. And I hope rare allows us to continue to go down there and they continue to put more stuff in there because it's really cool. It was, it was just a treasure trove of memories. If you've played this game for any amount of time. So I talked to you. So you talk to the pirate Lord and you find out that this is not actually the pirate Lord little mystery twist there. Now, if we're at this point and you've read his book, that's taking you on this quest and you're kind of listening to the different characters, you should be feeling at this point a little bit like, huh? Yeah, I thought something was up. You find out that this is actually an imposter, um, an imposter pirate Lord and the real pirate Lord shows up. The imposter takes the sword, becomes the rat, scurries away and gets away. And the real pirate Lord very angrily blames you for helping um, and states what is done is done. And now we have to clean it up. So <clears throat> where did this dark deception come from? Where did it come from? Um, because we had the Briggsy line storyline, right? So this was a, a new adventure. Um, that broke from the thing and we're going to return to Briggsy later. Um, so they've said, but that was a driving story. <clears throat> now for some people, they might think that that story was too simple. It wasn't complex enough. Look, you have to keep in mind that you have to make this story for the average player. This, the adventures are not meant to be elitist, right? The mystery is a hundred percent elitist. The adventures are supposed to be there for everyone to enjoy. Some people might not enjoy them because they're too simple. Other people might not enjoy them because they're too challenging. I don't know. They have to strike a balance there. I thought the driving story in this was very good. We got a lot of bits from other stories. We had a nice little tale of this deception, this rat kind of figuring all this stuff out. So I gave it a five combat one. I can't say anything else on that because there was no combat unless you encountered some random uh, mobs on your way, a skeletal ship, a Meg players, whatever, no combat. So a one that you, I can't, I can't give them any points for that because they didn't put any combat in there. I personally think a really cool uh, moment there at the end would have been instead of just having the imposter pirate Lord scurry away. I think it would be actually kind of cool if there was a quick battle moment where you and the pirate Lord drew swords and fought the imposter for a brief moment before maybe something magical happened and knocked you both back and he got away. Um, just some sort of little combat moment there would have been really good for this. And really, I think, <clears throat> really tied this up as the best adventure they have done, but they didn't do that in there. There was no combat. So one point, the reward, I give it a five and some people might not like that. You got a, uh, a pocket watch as the reward, but here's the thing. It's a beautifully designed, very unique pocket watch. It is the Pendragon pocket watch. It has the amazing logo um, for Pendragon on the back. It looks absolutely gorgeous as a very unique color scheme. It looks amazing. Um, it has the, the nice little logo on the face. It is a great pocket watch. Um, they designed it very, very well. And for all the fans out there of bell and Pendragon and that whole storyline that we had in the previous adventures, this is a great addition to their equipment chest. So well done, rare, well designed. It's simple, elegant, um, but it hits home um, exactly what it needed to. So five points 
on the reward. Technical implementation. I wanted to give them a five. They probably deserved a five. However, in typical Davram fashion, I did things in a specific order following the book and following the deeds. Because of this, I found a bug. And for most players, this bug would have made them feel like they could not complete this adventure. The bug that I found was I spawned in Port Merrick and I talked to Lorena and she told me, you know, she does her all spiel. And I went back into the inn to pick up supplies for the journey. On my way out of the inn, I noticed a rat by the door that was interactable. I interacted with the rat and he ran downstairs and disappeared. I thought nothing of it, got in my ship and sailed away. And what I noticed was on my deeds, there were deeds to find rats throughout the world. And one of them was the Port Merrick rat. I had the check mark. I'm like, cool. I just did something. Didn't even know I was supposed to do it, but I did something on this. Fast forward to the end of the adventure where you have the enchanted compass and you need to go back to Port Merrick to conclude the adventure. The compass takes you to the tavern where the rat was. Since I had already engaged with the rat, the rat was no longer there, but the compass was telling me to go to the rat and talk to the rat. So it took me a little bit to remember where the rat ran to. And though the compass was still pointing me up to where the rat was and he was gone, I was able to walk, trace my steps to where the rat disappeared and look around the cellar and the underwater tunnel area and found an interactable rat hole that was allowed that allowed me to move the story forward without the compass working. So the game didn't, the, the game did not anticipate me, I guess, talking to that rat before I had the compass, but the game allowed me to talk to the rat before I had the compass, which then broke the end of the adventure as far as a in-game guide to what you're supposed to do. There's nothing that tells you to go downstairs. There's nothing that tells you to go to the water stream. There's nothing there. It is the compass. And when you've already talked to the rat, the rat is gone. And the compass is just telling, I went upstairs. I went on the roof of the tavern. I was looking everywhere to try to find what this compass was telling me to do. And it just so clicked in my head. I'm like, I've spent like 20 minutes here trying to figure out what this compass is telling me to interact with. And I paused for a minute. I said, wait a minute. When I first logged in and started this thing, there was a rat there and I talked to it and it ran downstairs. So then I tried to retrace my steps and I figured it out, but that was the only bug. And I could definitely see, I mean, it took me about 20 minutes to, to, to remember that and all that. I could see that being a very discouraging thing for players and players just basically either giving up or giving, going to like a rare thief or something in order to figure it out because the game wants you to do things in a certain way, but it allows you to do them out of order and cannot keep track of those things. So that was the only bug that I found. Let me know in the comment section on the YouTube video, if you found any other bugs, but that is the only one that I found. And I'm usually pretty good at uh, finding these bugs. So I gave them a four on technical implementation because overall everything worked well. Um, the only issue that I had was that item um, because the game did not update. And because I had done things out of order, just because I found it out of order time length, I gave it a five. I thought this adventure was well budgeted as far as time. One thing I will say though, is if you run into other players, if you run into any sort of PVP, 
<clears throat> this adventure could take you a, a bit longer. I did notice that they had checkpoints in this particular adventure. I did see a couple checkpoints pop up. I didn't have to use them, um, but that was good to see because, again, if you run into PvP or something like that, you get sunk, whatever. You don't want to have to restart it. I thought the overall time length, the amount of sailing that was required um, and, and that kind of stuff, I thought they did a good job respecting your time for what you get. So overall score for Dark Deception, I believe without, you know, my, my book is, is like, that's a lot. That's all the episodes of pirate talk radio notes, um, that I've done in this book. I've done some online and I started doing pirate talk radio before I did notes. So that is all my notes. So I'm not going to flip through those and figure out what scores are. Maybe I'll do that in the future, but dark deception received 20 points out of a possible 25 for an 80% B. And I believe that is the highest score that I have given a adventure to this point. I personally, um, again, those are the numbers, right? That's the numbers. That's, that's, that's the scoring rubric is a 80% B. I personally, with my experience and my fun playing this adventure, I would probably give it a 90%. I would probably give it an A um, with 100%, obviously, being the best. I think I would give it a 90%, maybe even as high as a 95% on this because the only real drawback I had was no combat. I would have liked to have a little combat there at the end, but it, the combat wasn't necessarily a drawback of this adventure. Um, it's just something that we put in our rubric. So that's what we have to score, right? We agreed that this was the rubric we're using. So I have to score it hurts them, but I have to score it. But I didn't necessarily as a player miss that particular thing. I just wish it had a little bit of conflict at the end with combat. And with that, such a minor bug that I was able to use my brain, my horrible memory and figure out what I did in order to put the game state in what it was, I was able to figure it out. So in my opinion, as far as overall fun and player experience, this was an A, this was a, you know, 90, 93 to 95% probably at the high mark. A, I enjoyed this adventure. I hope they do more like this inside that time frame with a lot of the story. Just hope they add a little combat. Um, the code was relatively clean. I thought it was very good. But again, with the scoring rubric that we all agreed to by the numbers, it was an 80% B, which is still overall from all their adventures they've done. I believe it is the highest scored adventure that we've had. Moving on from the dark deception. Um, I think what I'm going to do here is the SOP podcast had a decent amount of information. I think what I'm going to do, um, just to re be respectful of all your time with the podcast, we are going on near an hour. I think what we're going to do is we're going to break the official SOP podcast into a two-parter. Um, I want to hit on some items here. Um, yeah, I want to hit on some items that tie into what we've talked about so far, and then we will go back um, and we will finish talking about the SOP podcast next week. Um, just again, to be respectful of your time and keeping the episodes around an hour. So we just talked about the dark deception. So Mike and team talked about the adventures um, and they talked about what they have, what, why the dark deception was designed the way it was. And it was because the dark deception is the start of a new age of adventures. And what that means is they've learned a lot from the previous adventures, everything from players being toxic spawn campers to making sure that the code is clean and bug and exploit free. And that there's a decent amount of story and driving, compelling, interesting things for players to interact with. And it was also a different approach where they weren't using old assets, you know, in the past, like basically redoing the hungering deep with the shrouded deep, you know, reutilizing those old assets to basically, as I've said in the past, 
utilizing old rotten cold leftovers and just throwing it in the microwave and saying, here, this is a brand new, beautiful dish. They're actually doing new things here with the dark deception. And I appreciate that. So Mike specifically said that the dark deception was their first go at this new age of adventures with, with the taking the learnings from their previous adventures, taking player feedback from their previous adventures and trying to move this style of adventure as their style of adventure in the future. And I really enjoyed the dark deception. I hope they can continue to do things um, that way. The other piece that they talked about in the SOP podcast that is very exciting to me and should be very exciting to all players, their plans, again, we'll have more info later this year. They are planning to make all adventures replayable. And this is something that I've talked about. I've talked to other people about sometimes two weeks is not enough. I had to force myself late at night to sit down and do the dark deception because of the lack of time that I had. The dark deception came out right around festive legends. It ended as people were traveling for SOT fest. Um, and, and life was just very busy for me. And as I said in the beginning of the show, I am not going to sacrifice my gym time, my health, and my life to play video games. So one night when I had, um, um, you know, I, I was like, I only have about an hour or so before I need to go to bed. Let's see if I can knock out the dark deception and get it over with because I'm not going to have time to do it. And I was able to do it. Um, so I'm glad that they're making them repeatable. I, again, I'm, I'm anxious to hear more information on this. Are you going to be able to get those rewards? If you, if you do it, uh, later, is it only replayable? If you played it the first time, I, I, I would like to see more information, but being able to have a replayable adventures. So new players, um, could potentially catch up on the story like they can with the tall tales, I think is a very good decision and it's a long time coming. So I can't wait to hear more information, um, on that. Um, the next piece that I would like to, uh, to talk about is, um, the season 10 delays. So I was very critical of them on pushing the season 10, um, without telling anyone why, um, and they haven't told anyone why until the official see of these podcasts. So Joe neat took this question, um, as obviously, you know, he's the big dog. Um, whatever happens, you know, that's his responsibility to take ownership of the game. And I thought Joe put it very well, and I'm glad we have an answer might be not be a complete answer, but the themes that he talked about in his answer hit home with me, um, for a few, um, a few reasons. Um, so he said they pushed Season 10, which again, we don't know the name. We haven't seen a trailer. We know nothing about it. He, they decided to push season 10 due to how big and overarching the impact of the season is on the game. He said, this season will be very much like captaincy as far as touching all aspects of the game. They learned a lot when they pushed out captaincy. We talked a lot about on, on the show of how buggy and bad the captaincy release was and how it really put a bad taste in players mouth on a feature that they had been waiting for for quite some time. And Joe called that out. Captaincy was full of bugs and issues when it released and it really put a damper on the excitement of that, of that, that big feature that people had been waiting for. So he felt that the season 10 updates due to their size and state had too many bugs and exploits in them to release at the time that they had put in there. And they pushed the season out in order to clean up that code and make sure that when they do release season 10, it is as exploit and as bug free as possible. These are hitting all the nodes for me. These are 100% hitting all the nodes. These are things that I have been talking about as issues that rare has for a very long time. So hearing, and, and again, we've talked about it on this show. I am very critical of Joe in saying that he is allowing his developers and he's allowing his leaders to put out code that is broken and busted. And it's the buck stops with him. He is the executive producer of the game. He needs to take a more leadership approach to 
enforce with his team that he wants clean and good updates. So it was great to hear from him that he is saying that we are pushing this because he did not feel and his team did not feel that the the update for season 10 was in a good, clean, release-ready state. Now, what this also says to me is when this comes out and they've delayed it, what, two months? Eight weeks, two months? When this comes out, I am going to be nitpicking everything because you delayed it two months and the big boy, the big boss man said it's because the code was not clean and they want to make it clean and they want to take the learnings from captaincy and release something that is not buggy and exploit free. So I'm going to be nitpicky because you delayed it two months to clean it up. Maybe you're going to delay it more. I don't know, but you delayed it to clean it up. It had better be clean. I mean, crystal clean. I'm not expecting perfection because <clears throat> it's a live service game. We don't get perfection in live service games. We get something decent and good, and then it, they iterate on it. I don't like that style of development, but guess what? That's the world of gaming we are in when it's not a single player game. And even in single player offline games, <clears throat> cyberpunk it's still iterative so those were the good themes that i heard from joe on why season 10 was delayed i think that's a good choice i respect it they should have came out with this information when they pushed it and not waited several weeks to talk about it <clears throat> um Going off on season 10, and this will be the last topic that I think I will talk about as the SOP podcast, because I've got like three pages of notes on the SOP podcast, so we'll have plenty of things to discuss next week, including updates to HitReg, finally. <clears throat> so Mike w dropped his CATs, his classic CATs, um, about um, season 10. And I'm now understanding when Joe says this is a big overarching update that affects many aspects of the game. Now I understand why, because Mike CFTs based on a community question is that one of the main features of season 10 will be a UI revamp specifically around reputation. So for, for a long time and Mike elegantly put this, we have built on our foundation and UI elements because we're basically adding on, we're adding on, we're not, we're basically, we have a foundation and we're just tacking things onto that foundation. We're not going back and making sure everything flows and is clean. Very accurate. <clears throat> it takes forever to na navigate the UI of Sea of Thieves. And for a new player, that's, it's a lot. It, and even a returning player, there's a lot there and it can be very overwhelming. <clears throat> so Mike said it's becoming too busy <clears throat> and too complex. They want to simplify it and more so they want to be able to show players quickly important things. <clears throat> so what were their past? What is that player's past highlights and accomplishments? And what features should those players or do those players have to engage in the game? Things that those players might not know about or things they might know about that the game's just reminding you, hey, this is something you could go engage with. So he wants you to have a quick um, look at your accomplishments in the reputations page. He's like, I want it to be like a trophy case so you can quickly open it and see what you've done. I think that's great. I, I think that's great because right now the reputation, you open a menu, you click reputations, you click through multiple things of reputations, you find your reputation. <clears throat> then if you want the accommodations, you have to click here. If you want emissary ledgers, you have to click here. It's just, it's, it's, it's layered on top of each other and it needs to be more simplified and streamlined. So I a hundred percent agree. I think this is great. 
And Mike also mentioned that this is only step one of a UI revamp. We've already heard that they're going to bring videos into the into the game and stuff like that, which I think is a great um, a great thing for them to do. But this is stage one. This is step one of the UI revamp, and it's going to start in season ten. And I'm very excited to see that and the other features that they have on the table when we finally get the reveal of what is season ten, what is it called, and what are all the features. Guys, let me know what you think. What would you like to see a UI revamp? What UI piece do you want to see them revamp in Sea of Thieves to make the game better? Maybe it's not a revamp at all. Maybe it's something added to or taken out. Let me know in the comments section. Hit me up on Twitter. Join the Discord. Please, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you are on or on the YouTubes. Turn those notification bells on so you don't miss any of my streams, any of the Pirate Talk Radio podcast, or any of the other content that'll be coming to your eyeballs and earlobes here soon. Guys, thank you very much. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I will see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio. <laughs>